Episode 167 of the Bevan James Isle Show, Setting Objectives for My Week. Radio team, welcome along to episode 167 of the Bevan James Isle Show, your fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness so you can get all the benefits that come alongside it. i got to say, it's a Saturday afternoon here in Christchurch, New Zealand. The sun is shining my top into my office so much so that I've got my blinds down here. It's my blinds um, because it's a beautiful day and I'm inside podcasting thing. And the reason is because... I'm actually doing, I'm doing something quite fun tomorrow. Uh, a guy who's a local guy who I've known for years, he's a doctor, a local doctor and a passionate runner. And he's putting on a running race, which is called the Four Paws Running Race. And Four Paws represents a dog. So it's a dog running race, but it's a dog and human running race. So what's happening is they are with, with basically dog owners, they can run a marathon, a half marathon, a 10K or a 5K race all on the day. And I think it's the first time it's been done in New Zealand. And so I'm going to be the commentator for the race tomorrow. And uh, I think it sold. I think it sold really well. So I'm really fascinated. I'm just kind of fascinated to see the experience because not. I don't think many. I think most people are doing the five, ten, and a half. I don't think they've got that many doing a full. But to get a dog to do a marathon, that's that's a big effort. Now I'm not. I'm sure there's dogs that can do a marathon, but. Um, you know, it's interesting with pets. I'm not. I'm not much of an animal person. I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm going random here, team. I'm gone random, but it's it's really interesting with pets, um, especially with dog owners. They say that if you are someone who doesn't move, one of the best things you can do is get a dog, because for a lot of people who love their dogs, they will really make sure that they look after their health with movement. So when they get a puppy, they make sure they do the right amount of movement because they don't want to overdo it for the dog. Actually, my next door neighbor's got a dog recently, and you see the little kids just taking their puppy for like a five-minute walk. Um, you know, But as a dog gets older, a lot of dogs need a lot of movement. And so owners will take their dogs for walks, take their dogs for runs, and in some ways it forces the owners to be more active. And uh, if you can, like to me, that's a great th- way of getting exercise in your life. If you love a dog and you've got the capacity to add a dog to your life, and that means it's going to get you exercising more, well, that's a win-win in my mind. So anyway, I'm just kind of fascinated to see, hopefully there's no dog fights tomorrow. Um, I'm sure there'll be lots of barking. Um, I'm kind of just, I'm really fascinated to see what the experience will be like. Maybe next on the next episode, I'll share with you what my experience has been like at the dog episode, at the dog, not the dog, the dog race. Um, today's show, now today's show, I'm actually just going to do a bit of a Bevan show, there's two things I want to talk about, um, one's a tool that I've added to my life which I'm finding to be very powerful in my focus throughout the week, uh, and then another is that comes from a, a client of mine who I'm training to do some running goals, uh, she's also a psychologist who works with leaders, so she trains a lot of leaders and, and uh, she listens to the show uh, and she always gives me some good little tidbits, she often says, hey, have you thought about this? And because uh, she's got, uh, you could just tell, you know when you, you, you kind of talk to somebody who 
knows an area really well and that's what this lady's like she just knows this kind of how to challenge people and help people grow and uh, evolve themselves and she's dealing with high level like business leaders and, and thought leaders in this, these areas and uh, she just came up with an idea she just said have you thought about this the other day and I thought oh that's a cool idea so I got my piece of paper and I wrote down as she was talking to me uh, and so I'll be talking about that in today's show but before we get into the main gist of today's show I just wanted to talk about a thing that I'm passionate about which is uh, the Rugby World Cup. So right now, for those in countries that don't know anything about rugby, the Rugby World Cup started last night, and uh, the New Zealand rugby team, uh, historically the greatest rugby team of all time, uh, we've got the greatest winning record, uh, we've won the most World Cups, we've actually won the last two World Cups, uh, we're very, very good at rugby, and so expectations going into this World Cup are that we sh- are the favourites. Now, if we look historically at the World Cups, this is probably the most competitive World Cup we've ever seen. So, in many ways, while we are the favourites, I don't think anyone would be too surprised if other teams won it. Whereas in the last World Cup, we were quite a dominant team, and we we wouldn't say we cruised through the World Cup, it definitely wasn't that easy, but we definitely, you know, no one was surprised that we won it quite quite well uh, whereas this one if I, if you're speaking if in, in six weeks from now I'm gutted because the All Blacks haven't won the World Cup I wouldn't have been the expected result because I still think we're going to win it but you know I wouldn't be as surprised but anyway why am I talking about this I just love sport jeez I love sport I love sport because what sport is is it's drama like last night, I was watching a game of rugby league. I love rugby league as well. It's my three favourite sports are rugby, rugby league, and cricket. These are the sports that, you know, I'm, I don't have a huge amount of time to watch or kind of follow sports. So, I'm, I'm, you know, but for me, those are the three sports that I kind of decide in my life that I want to devote time, kind of keeping up to date with. And, and I watch, you know, I watch probably a game of rugby or league each weekend or every couple of weekends. And if New Zealand are playing the cricket, I'll keep an eye on it. And Joe and I will go to the cricket in summer when it's in Christchurch here in New Zealand. But I do love it. But I just love sport because, you know, it, there's just so much drama to sport. Uh, and I love the storylines of sport. And I love I, I love watching the personalities of sports. And, you know, there was a game of, game of rugby league the other week and there's a player who's quite controversial and uh, and one of the coaches after the game, who was actually the opposition's coach, said, I actually love this guy. Um, we, we need villains in our sport. And and this guy is actually, I've heard interviews with the guy, he seems like a really nice guy, but he, he pushes the, the limits. And, you know, sometimes he gets penalised, and, and so he should. Um, but I just find, I love, I love sport for the drama of it. But the other reason I love sport is, you know, watching people testing themselves at the highest level. You know, like, imagine being one of the Rugby World Cup players right now, especially a team that's there to win it. Like, some teams are there making up the numbers and they've got little goals that they're trying to achieve, but they're never going to win it. But to be the person who turns up to win, I just love thinking about the experience that these people are having as they move through their journey. And the thing about sports, it's often when you think about sports movies and even like there's not many great sport movies there's a few but there's you know there's not that many things because to me the one of the reasons is is because sport itself is better than a movie about sport you know one of the greatest games of sports which broke my heart was the world cup cricket final this year new zealand actually ended up drawing the game but they didn't win the tournament because of a countback system which was very frustrating (laughs) 
<laughs> me being a New Zealand fan. Uh, but I tell you what, man, it was drama. And even as I think about New Zealand not winning the World Cup because of a funny countback system, it still hurts me as a fan. Um, and, and so while I'm talking about this here, while I'm talking about being a spectator of sports and someone who does have a passion for, for following sports, the other thing about sport is, is it's accessible for everybody. You know, um, one of the things when I when I do races, when I commentate at races, I often talk about how, uh, you know, at the end of the race, you'll be telling stories of the day to your mates, you know, and that's that thing, isn't it, that when you have sport in your life, you have drama as well, and it's it's a really healthy drama. You know, the, to me, one of the greatest things you can give your children is a life with sport in it. Uh, there's there's the camaraderie they do. There's dealing with disappointment. There's the upskilling of yourself. There's uh, having to develop character. To me, just sport is such a great thing for kids to have. But actually, it's a great thing for adults to have as well. And if we look in the last period of time, when we looked at life and how life is led, one of the things that's really obvious is we are all getting a bit more time poor. And so fitness has become a thing in our life, but to the, to the kind of to the cost of sport. So for some people, they're doing no exercise at all. And, and you know me, I'm kind of really keen on you guys getting out and doing some exercise. And then for a lot of people, they do exercise. So they might go to the gym, do a workout, and they might, like at the moment, I'm kind of that myself. I've been talking recently about how I've been getting back into weights, and, and I'm pushing myself with weights, and I'm enjoying it. But it's nothing like doing a running race. There's, there's nothing like doing a running race. You know, a running race, man, that, that's a challenge. There's a journey, there's drama, there's people you're trying to beat, and disappointment, and, and elation, and all these kind of things you have to go through. And to me, as an adult, the importance of being fit is, is really fundamental to health. It's really, really fundamental to health. But I also think having sport as an adult is a really healthy thing to have in your life. Because when you have sport as an adult, there's just so much more than just being fit. Uh, there are things I talked about with kids, there's camaraderie. You know, especially if you do team sports, you don't have to do team sports. There's overcoming adversity, there's dealing with disappointment, there's the elation of when you hit a goal, uh, there's the possibilities of achieving things you never thought you could achieve. You know, like one of the things that when I was an Ironman, one thing I did was a lot of cycle racing. And the reason I did a lot of cycle racing, and cycle racing is a great sport. Triathlon as an Ironman, in many ways, is very much just a test of yourself. So when you're doing Ironman triathlon, you're very much just kind of having this journey for a long period of time and trying to manage yourself to be successful. And there's people around you, but they're not really influencing you. Whereas cycling is a game of chess in a big bunch of people. And you you know, because that, the way cycling works, you can use their, their energy to save your energy and you're trying to choose the moments where you're going to race and so on and so on. And, and I loved cycle racing because it was this game of chess. And to be honest, I, I wasn't, a hugely successful cyclist. You know, I did local races and I, you know, I was, I was always in the elite grade, but I never was competitive at the top end of cycling. Um, but I just loved it. And the reason I loved it, it was so good for my triathlon because it taught me a hardness that I could never get in training. And that's what sport can do as well, is sport can just teach you higher levels of yourself that you never thought possible. Because there's something about competing that takes you to places that is just quite phenomenal. And that's why I love watching sport. 
like watching the World Cup final in the cricket, which was ultimately one of the most heartbreaking fan experiences I think I'll ever have in my life. Um, yeah, again, I'll, it still hurts now. And I think in five years from now, when I think about that game, it will still hurt. But just watching the character of these people in this moment and thinking, what's it like to be them? And as I look forward to the next kind of six weeks with the Rip World Cup, that's the thing I'm excited about is these moments where where people who, their, their life depends on this, you know, their character, their, their legacy, you know, like for these men in this World Cup, for many of them, what happens in the next six weeks will be one of the defining things of their life, you know, and who are you in that moment? So if you are someone who's, A, if you're looking to get into exercise, sport's a great way to get into exercise. But if you're, if you're that person who's kind of fit, but have never tried sport, give it a go. It can be as simple as signing up for your local 5K race. It can be as simple as going back to a sport you did when you were younger. Going back, like, look at the Masters Games. What a great way to participate in sport. Masters Games is, is, is they had the, in New Zealand, they had in Auckland recently. And you just, all ages, all levels, just getting out there and doing sport. I guarantee if you're not doing sport and you add sport to your life, not just fitness, if you add sport to your life, you'll feel so much more fulfilled, alive, and there'll be so many benefits that, that you just can't even possibly see right now. So I love sport. I love being a spectator in sport. I love following sport but I also love participating in sport. And actually, as I think about this myself, I haven't actually participated in sport in, well, the last race I did was about 18 months ago. So it's been a couple of years. So it's probably time that I maybe think about doing something in sport as well, you know, just for the reasons I've just talked about. So hopefully my little kind of prep talk right there gives you a bit of inspiration around getting into doing some sport. Anyway, I'm going to get into the main gist of today's show, but before I do, I just want to pull up the patrons. If you want to become a patron of the Bevan James Isle Show, what that means is you support me in what I do in each show. So what patronage is, is the people who are the patrons, each time I release a show, they basically donate whatever they decide they want to donate to the show, and uh, that comes to me, and it helps me support me in what I'm doing. It pays for website, podcast fees, and so on and so on. And it just kind of ultimately supports me in this idea of, um, you know, the philosophy I'm trying to spread. So some of these people here are already uh, patrons of the show. I've got Rachel walking on sunshine, debusk. I've got Anna doing it, Dungy. I've got Amanda, super duper amazing Amanda. Coleman Wilson, we've got Ali, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee brown, we've got Priscilla, love me tender, king, and we've got Esther, the golden one, Ching Green, these people are all patrons of the show, and as you can see, when you become a patron of the Bevan James Isle Show, you get a cool nickname as well, so thank you to all the patrons of the show, if you want to become a patron, go to bevanjamesisles.com, and we can rock on from there, anyway, let's get into the main gist of the show. Today's show, because it's a Bevan show, I, I'm kind of, uh, there's kind of, there's two things I want to talk about, but as I was pushing record, there's actually something else I wanted to talk about. This morning I was doing some coaching with my runners, and we've got a group right now that's training for uh, the Queenstown Half Marathon, which is, it might be New Zealand's biggest half marathon nowadays, it's, it's a pretty big half marathon, a very successful half marathon on a beautiful course, thousands of people do it, and we've got, we're training about 140 people to do this race since, um, pretty cool. 
it's pretty cool that we've got this many people. It's, it's, I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, and and I, I think I've talked on the show is that as a coach, I always see my role to help people kind of understand the person, understand where they are, and understand how I'm trying to, how I can impact them on where they're trying to go within themselves. And I had a couple of runners. Today's session was kind of like this. So basically, uh, we have three levels. So we have a beginner, which are people who are kind of first time half marathoners just trying to get them to the finish line. And then we have a bit intermediate and an advanced. And intermediate people who have done maybe a half marathon or two um, and maybe going to try to go a little bit faster. And then our advanced are people who are pretty quick and aim to go, you know, get their top end out of their race. So there's three different levels of the program. So today, for example, our beginners are doing 13Ks, our intermediates were doing 16, and our advanced, I think, we're doing maybe 18Ks. Now, the beginners, because they're just trying to get to the finish line, we don't get them to do, it's, it's just get out there and do the distance. It's just an endurance run. That's all we're looking to get them to do. But the intermediate and advanced, what we get them to do in their sessions is we get them to do race pace work. And what is race pace work? Well, race pace work is, as a coach, one thing that we talk about in programming is we need to get people who's physically ready for the goal they're trying to achieve. So it's called specificity. It's this idea of um, what's the goal they're trying to achieve and then how do we help them achieve it and how do we physically train them to get them ready. Now, when you do programming for running, there's there's quite a few things that you do. But one of the things you do do is you do, and at least I like to do, is in their endurance runs, which is the longest runs they'll do in the program each week, I like them to do periods of time where they're sitting at their race pace work. Now, in a half marathon race pace work in your training, shouldn't be that hard it's don't get me wrong it's not easy but it's just what i would say good solid running maybe perceived exertion sitting at around maybe seven and a half out of ten so it's a pace where you know you you know you're moving but you know you can hold it for a while and what we do is we do tests that give them calculations so they know what their race pace work is as they hit the weekends so one of the things i'm doing today as i'm riding around on my runners and kind of coaching them and it's is saying are you stick on your race pace how you're managing it um, is it easy? Is it hard? You know, what do you need to focus on to be successful and so on? So I've got a riding around coaching all my runners as I'm doing this. And I get two runners come up to me uh, kind of near the halfway point. Now, what was meant to happen this morning was basically everyone started. They meant to do the first K as a warm up. And then I meant to do, I think it was 45 minutes at race pace work. So easy warm up, 1K, which is probably going to take anywhere from five to eight minutes, more four to eight minutes, depending on the speed of the runner. And then what they had to do is they had to go for 45 minutes sitting at the pace that where they'll be doing on the race day of the Queenstown Half Marathon. So first half of the session, you know, go along people, everyone's doing it. Got to the halfway point and two runners were not doing it. I said, how are you guys going? Are you doing your race pace? And I said, oh, no, we're not doing it. We're just going to do the distance today. And sometimes, sometimes you will let people off the hook. You know, one of the things you do get as a coach is you, you know, you kind of get to know people's lives. And sometimes, you know, someone's kind of really busy at work or, you know, they might be a little bit injury prone right now or just things are happening in a way that, you know, maybe they need, you, you kind of get a bit, get our jail card free in this moment. But these two were kind of just having a bit of a gossip run. And I said, well, why don't you do race pace work? And, and one of the ladies said to me, because I never really do that well on the race day anyway. I never really perform on race day, and it's often a real disappointment, so I figure I might just get out here today and do my run. I repeat this, because it's a really important thing she said there. Ultimately, I, and this is kind of, I'm, this isn't what she said, but I'm kind of paraphrasing it. Ultimately, I underperform on the day where I have to test myself. And for that reason, I don't see the point in doing the work to be able to perform anyway. 
it's a really interesting it was a really interesting statement um and so i, I kind of challenged them because the job of the coach is to challenge people and i said well um there's probably a couple of things we need to talk about here and the first is I think maybe what you've got to learn to do is to plan for success on race day. And so one thing I need to understand with these people, and there's one lady in particular who's done quite a few halves and ultimately has never really delivered on race day. And I and I talked to her about how do you set up for success for race day? And I said, I said, what do you do for your race planning? And she kind of gave me an answer, but you could tell pretty quickly that it wasn't, she didn't very have, have a really great race plan strategy. She, she kind of didn't. She didn't have, you know, what I would consider a really good race plan strategy. And actually, I'm going to share another example of another runner I went with, this lady called Karen, who um, in the last kind of, like, we've set some really hard targets for Karen. Karen, like, as a coach, um, Karen's, a, Karen's like the ultimate athlete. Because as a coach, what you want is, if I kind of design a plan for you, I want you to stick to my plan. Because ultimately, I think I believe that if, if you stick to my plan, there's a good chance you're going to achieve your goal. And a lot of coaches will tell you that not everyone sticks to the plan. And, and a lot of the time, as a coach, you're trying to get people to be consistent with your planning. And then occasionally, you get a person who comes along and just has the ability to deliver on on what you you know. They'll just do what you tell them. And I think Karen, she, she just did the Sydney Half Marathon last weekend. Uh, she and I think she kind of pulled out a one run in the whole period that we had, you know. So, and it was literally the world was ending, you know, the wind and hail and everything. And I think she pulled out a couple of k's earlier. Karen just does what's on the plan. She just does what. And in the last period of time, we've set some really ambitious goals for her, um, you know, like really hard goals. And the kind of goals that, as a coach, you know, often what you say is you need an A, a B, and a C goal. So A is like if everything goes perfect there's a chance you can get it. It doesn't mean you're going to get it. There's a chance you can get it. So if everything goes to plan and you stick to that plan, everything goes well, there's a chance you can get it. So then what you also do is you also give people a B and a C goal. So B is, and but if you had a good day, this would be pretty cool. So let's say, let's say for me, you know, if I were to train for a marathon nowadays, I'd love to think that I could still do close to maybe two, right now probably 245 for a marathon. An A goal would maybe be 240. So an A goal would be 240, you know, that would be all the dominoes went aligned and they all took over at the right time and just I had magic on that day. A B goal would be, you know what, if I didn't get 240, if I still got a 245, that would still be a really great day. And then and then C is kind of that passable goal, you know. You know, like it wasn't a great day, but I still got under 250. Then anything over 250, I'm just a bit disappointed in. So when we think about getting an A goal, it, it's a pretty hard thing to do. Now, Karen, in the last period of time, we've set some really hard A goals for her. You know, that, that room for error is is, is massive. Uh, and she's been hitting them. She's hit them, you know, like we've set one earlier in the year, she hit it. And she hit it with seconds to spare. You know, she had to sprint for the finish line to get there. And then last weekend in Sydney, she went over and did the Sydney Half Marathon and she got 10th in her age group in the Sydney Half Marathon, like phenomenal effort. And uh, and, and Karen's not someone who comes with a long history of running. She's, she's, she's I'm going to say, not say old, but older in age. Uh, she's in a category of, I think, in the 60-year-old category. So, she, and she's not someone who's done running her whole life. She's kind of picked running up in the last period of her life. So her to get top 10 is pretty phenomenal. And we set a really ambitious goal for her to do this race in, and 
She nailed it. She actually went faster than what she went earlier in the year on a which was on a flatter course. And where Karen is a great and I and I said this to her, I was, and I was really proud of her, and I said this to her is you you have an ability to deliver on race day that even a lot of top athletes don't have. What Karen does very well is that she has the ability to deliver on race day. Now, when we look at people, there's, there's different types of people. Now, the one type of person is the one I talked about earlier, and the one I'll go back to in a second, the lady I was talking to in today's run who said, I just always underperform on race day. So this lady doesn't have the ability to perform. She doesn't perform on race day. And then we get a lot of people who kind of have good days, bad days, and there's probably a range of that. Some people have more bad days and some good days. And then some people have more good days and some bad days. And then we get someone like Karen, who, I'm going to be honest, in the last period of time, has delivered pretty much on the A goals for a while now. Um, and, and so what's the difference between the lady I was talking to this morning, who doesn't really ever deliver, and it's actually interesting when we think about what we're talking about here, because because she feels she's never delivers on race day, to, to today in her training, she decided she wasn't going to do the objective of the training. Because what's the point if I'm just going to be disappointed on race day? So actually what she's doing is she's not doing the work that would not allow her to be successful, so it's working against her as well. And then when we think of someone like Karen, who seems to have this amazing ability to deliver on race day, she always hits the training objectives. So it's an interesting thing. But So what's what's the difference in you know the lady I was talking to this morning and someone like Karen? Well, to me, one of the biggest things we need to do to be a successful athlete is amazing planning of our race. Amazing planning of our race. And sometimes I talk to people and I say, um, you know, like often as I'm coaching my, my half marathon crew through their journey, there's kind of different messages you've got to give to them at different times. So early on, right now this group's in an early on stage. So I'm just training them how to get the most out of the session. Then as we get into the big block, I'm training how to manage the big, the big period. And then as we hear closer to the race and the training starts to pull off, I'm talking to them about what's your race plan and so on. And, and I always say to people, what's your race plan? And people say, oh, you know, I just, you know, I'm, I'm going to start easy and kind of try to pick it up at the end. That's not a race plan. That, that's not a race plan. And as I spoke to the lady today, that's what we talked about. I talked to her and I said, well, what's your race plan? And, and basically she came back to me and said, it's a, bit, it's a bit of a hopeful plan. It's not a great race plan. And hence, she kind of always has experiences that under-deliver. Now, when I reflect upon her and contrast her to Karen, who you know, seems to have this amazing ability, and, and Karen has an ability that even elite athletes, you know, the thing we've got to remember is an elite athlete might be faster. So someone who's winning a half marathon might be faster. But the character traits are the same as someone like Karen. Karen's ability to deliver all the time, or, or, or most of the time, is a really powerful thing. Now, Karen, when we sit down and we talk about a race, we, we've got a plan. We look at the terrain. We kind of say, what's this race? What's the terrain? Okay, here's how I want you to work when you're going up these hills here. Here's what I want you to focus on in the downhill sections. Here's the pace you need to be sitting on. What are you going to do with your nutrition at this point of the race? What are you going to do at this new point in the race? She was talking to me about how one of her strategies in the Sydney Half Marathon was to delay music because she knew she was going to have to get to a point. Because when you have an A goal, there's no, there's really no room for error. You know, you, you, you know when, you're, when you're hoping to get under a target by a few seconds, you, you, you can't really cock it up. 
And so she said to me, one of her strategies was to not allow herself to use music until about, I think it was about 17 k's into the race, because she knew that's when she had to fight. That's when she had to really fight. So one of her plans was to delay the use of music and then to inject it at the time when she knew that she had to work her hardest. Now that's great planning. It's seeing the moment when you're going to need motivation and then injecting it in to give yourself the motivation to push hard to the end. And Karen, as she talked to me about her race this week, she said to me, man, when I got to that finish line, I was killing it to get to the finish line under that goal time. You know, she said one of her friends saw her come across the finish line and she just said she looked like a, a woman possessed. And and Karen was able to do that because she, she planned that. She knew that, okay, even if I run a smart race and stick to a wise plan, nutrition and pacing and so on, I'm still going to have to fight at the end. So what's a good strategy to use? I'm going to put my power music on at that time. Whereas the lady this morning, I'll start well and you know, see how I go at the end. There's a massive difference. There's a massive difference. And often people who feel they don't, don't, don't achieve on the day is because they just haven't done the planning. And as I talked to this lady this morning, I said, well, I think a part of your journey right now is to learn how to perform on race day. And it's too early for her to be talking about planning because what we do with our runners is we kind of, as they get closer to the race, we look at their their running history in the last period of time, so what they've done in the program, and by that they should be able to set a goal. So let's say, you know, your paces say, if you look at your history of running over the last eight weeks, you could probably look and you might say, okay, well, I probably might be a two-hour half marathoner, so that's what you're going to set your goal in. You might say, okay, well, a 155 is an A, under two hours is a B, and, you know, two fives a C, something like that. Um, so, but what what my message to her was, for her to be successful in the moment that defines success, her next part of her journey is to learn how to plan much more successfully. And for a lot of people, they don't feel they ever deliver on the day. Now, this isn't just in sport. You know, it, it can be in career when when you have to do presentations at work or when you have a, a big project or you're trying to solve a big problem. For a lot of people, they they get this kind of self-identity that I just don't deliver. And then you get people like Karen. You know, and one of, as I talked to Karen, as I caught up with her this week, the, the thing I kept reinforcing to her was, you have an amazing ability to deliver on the day. And the reason is, so it wasn't just self-identifying, it's that doing the thing of, the reason is, is because you plan for success. The person I talked about this morning doesn't do that. And so my my growth with her is to help her realize that we want to design a plan. And that plan will look at strategies around pacing, it will look at nutrition strategies, it will look at motivation, it will look at technique, it will look at you know all the bits of the puzzle that it takes to you to give yourself the chance of success. So as I think about this right here, I want you to think about yourself. And it can be in sport, it can be in your athletic pursuits. But in any area of your life where you are trying to have a moment of success, and that's what's great about sport, is often there are these defining moments. You know, you train for a half marathon, and at the end of the half marathon, you have to run a half marathon. So there's a moment, and if you set a goal, there's this moment of success that you need to work on. And from there, that will really define the experience. Like you, if you train like an animal for 10 weeks, and then don't deliver on the day, it kind of sucks. And that's kind of the experience the person I was talking about today has. Because if you train for 10 weeks and then you have the experience Karen had, 
you feel on top of the world. If you have a work project that you know that you it's really important and you stumble and you miss something really fundamental, it kind of sucks. But if you hand in that work project and you know you you know you nailed it and everyone's actually I remember one of the ladies one of the ladies I mentor she's got a high high level job, and one of her things was and this is a good example actually one of her things was. She kind of didn't. She, she's very spontaneous. She's very spontaneous. So, and she's very successful being spontaneous. So she never kind of did the next level kind of planning around her projects because she kind of knew she could pull it together in the last moment. And we gave her this project, and it was a really important project. And I said, "Well, I still think you could be more successful if you kind of plan." So we kind of set some plans in place, and she went away. She did this project, and after the fact, someone someone who higher up on the chain, quite high up, because this lady herself is quite high up in her career came up and said, wow, that is a phenomenal piece of work. And she talked to me about how it just gave her this an amazing esteem because she kind of gone past just trusting her spontaneity that I'll be all right because I know I'll deliver to go to the next level. And she delivered on levels that maybe she didn't think was possible. And then she got this outside affirmation that was really rewarding for her. I want you to be the person who delivers I want you to be the person who turns up to the race and majority of the time perform based on what your training says is possible. I want you to be the person who in your life and your projects you decide to do in your life, you, you don't just kind of tick the box, you deliver. And one of the keys to delivering is amazing planning. Amazing planning in the moments that will allow you to be successful. In a race, it's kind of obvious. Don't just think, oh, I'll start easy and go from here. Like to me, a detailed plan is a detailed plan. Here's what I'm going to do at this moment. Here's the pace I need to be working at this moment, and so on and so on. Now, one thing, going back to the client I talked about earlier in today's show. So my other client who I'm trying to do some running, who's a psychologist, who's pretty high level, and I, I love it when I love having a goss to her because she's um, always got some good, good insight to share with me. She said to me one of the things that she works with a lot of her clients because she gets these clients and she works for them in a way that gets them to be successful in areas. Uh, she was talking to me about like CEOs and stuff like this. Like CEOs often come into roles uh, because they're good at people management, but maybe they don't have the technical understanding in the area of the role. So let's say, for example, I'm a CEO and I've worked currently in fitness forever and I get a new CEO role in, I don't know, IT. So I might have a really good understanding of how to run a business, but not necessarily great understanding around IT side of the business. So one thing she talked about was what she calls, I think it was called like a an education ladder, something like this. And it's kind of with the CEOs to identify all the questions that they don't know the answers to. And you may even layer them. So you may layer those those kind of questions and you may say, okay, so what you need to do is in your journey is you need to kind of gain the learning and understanding of those questions. So you can become more competent in those areas. Um, but one of the things you talked about in our last kind of catch up, and I found this quite good as well, is what she calls crisis management. Because what a lot of people do is they get to a level of competency and we kind of trust ourselves, but we don't see crisis in front of us. And this is another part of a successful plan. Like, I think going back to, like earlier in today's show, I talked about loving the Rugby World Cup. Now, in team sports, you know, like in a rugby game, something happens. Let's say you lose a rugby player because they've been penalised and they've been simbined out of the game. So this is a real crisis. So what the teams like the All Blacks will do is they will know, okay, we lose a player. What happens if we lose two players, which is very, very rare, but it does happen. 
What happens in that situation? Not just, oh, you know, I think I'll do this. They'll have an amazing plan to deal with that situation. So when we think about, and I'm actually a good example of this. Years ago, I trained a guy called Tony to do an Ironman. Tony is a bit like Karen, actually. He would not miss this. He's, a, he's, an, he's an A-type lawyer. A-type lawyer, Tony. Uh, he's been successful because he does everything it takes to be successful. And he was, an, like Karen, easy guy to train because I just gave him a program and he just ticked all the boxes. I think I trained him for like a year. I think he missed one session. And a bit like Karen, it was literally the world was ending. You know, everyone was going to quit on that day. Um, and luckily before the race day I said to Tony you've done everything right you've trained like a legend you're totally ready but something may go wrong on race day because in an Ironman you're training for nine you know I think you know most people are racing for like 12 hours something's going to go wrong so you've got to manage how you're going to deal with that moment Um, and that's what crisis management is about now sometimes you can't see what those wrong things are I can't remember what went wrong with Tony. Something off his bike went wrong. Um, and afterwards, he just said to me, thank God you said that to me. Because while I was frustrated because I had to deal with the bike mechanical problem, emotionally, I'd prepared for it so I could get back on track and still finish the race in a way that I was happy with. And that's that's what crisis management goes into. Is that, you know, like in the race, let's say your, your A plan's not going to plan. Well, what's crisis management? How are you going to work through this? And when we think about good planning, good planning plans for crisis management as well. Let's say you're doing a half marathon and your nutrition falls out your back pocket. Or a marathon where nutrition is even more important. What's your crisis management plan? What, you know, Good planning doesn't just see the perfect path. It sees all the hiccups that can happen along the way and allows you to plan for those things around what you would do if that's the case. If you can plan crisis management into your plan, and even just those work projects, what happens if, I don't know, you get sick and you can't do it, or uh, I don't know, I can't think of a work one right now, but you get what I mean. So if you've got areas of your life where you're trying to achieve big things and big moments, don't just think, oh, you know, oh, hopefully it goes well. Plan it. Plan it with detail. Go into it with, you know, like like literally my runners, I like to have like a one-page review of how they're going to run their race because I, I love the idea of them just knowing if here's what I'm going to do. And within that, putting crisis management in there. What happens if I lose my nutrition? What if my bike, my bike mechanic happens? And a game of rugby in the World Cup, what happens if we lose two players in the field at one time? The greatest teams will have that. The greatest individuals understand what they're going to do in that place. And it's not just a practical answer. It's also an emotional answer. We want to be the person who delivers in the moment. And actually, interesting going back to the ladies who today I caught at halfway and weren't doing the race pace work. Once I had that conversation, I saw them at the end of the run and they said, Bev, we've done a race pace work. I talked to them and made them do the work. And I said, it's really interesting because now you're giving yourself a chance of hitting an A goal. And if we can add that aspect of you becoming a higher planner for race day, then there's a much higher chance you're going to be that person who has the experience that is rewarding. And that's what I want you to have in your life. In any area you're trying to be successful and have successful moments, do the things that will increase your chances of success. Great planning, great crisis management, and sticking to those plans. doesn't always guarantee you're going to get there, but I guarantee you have a higher chance of a higher percentage of being successful with this stuff. So... That's pretty much it for the main gist of today's show.
I'm gonna be honest. I can waffle. <laughs> if you if you listen to this show, I think you figured that out. That topic wasn't what I was going to talk about. Uh, the crisis management. It was. It was. It was kind of one of the things I had written down. Um, I just kind of got onto on, on a tangent. So hopefully, you, hopefully, you gain something from that because it definitely wasn't what I've got. I've got written down. I always write some notes before I do today's show um, because I kind of. You know, just I, I, I like to do some thinking before I do the podcast, so I can do some notes and where I'm trying to take it and where I'll go back to and so on and so on. Um, nothing other than the crisis management that I'm going to talk about, which is good because it means my notes for my next show are done. Um, but hopefully, you got something from that because I just I really believe there's a lot of people who don't deliver because they're just missing some pretty basic steps. So, um, yeah, hopefully, you gain something from that. Team, if you enjoy my show, a couple of things spread the word. Uh, podcasting in the last period of time is kind of podcasting has been interesting i've been doing it since 2006 so i was in at the beginning um and i did my triathlon for a few years and i've done this one for nine years unbelievable unbelievable i remember when i started this one someone said to me how are you going to do this ongoing because my other one's more like a magazine show um and so it's kind of easy because you're just talking about the latest week's news whereas this one we have to create content i've got to find guests and someone said to me how are you going to do it and i said i don't, I don't know but i'm passionate about it so i'll give it a go and uh, here we are, nine years later, I'm still waffling on. So, um, but podcasting, you know, when I first started, I had to put web pages up. What is podcasting? How do you make it work? It was a very niche audience because it was very kind of very technical at the time. Whereas now, I reckon most people listen to podcasts, most people know what a podcast is. And so, if you enjoy this show and you've got friends who you know like podcasting, just let them know that, that you enjoy the show. It's maybe one that can add value because I've got a great audience and, and my, the numbers blow me away. You've got thousands of people all around the world listening to this, which is pretty cool. But hey, the more people I can impact, the better. So first of all, if you can share, spread the word, just say to someone, hey, here's a podcast I really love. Check it out. It really adds value. Uh, secondly, in your podcatcher, it might be iTunes, it might be Spotify, it might be iHeartRadio, Stitcher, any of the apps that you use, put a review. You know, reviews really help because it helps a pod, especially for ones like mine that have been around for a long time. Because what most of the podcatchers do is they kind of favor, they give favoritism to new shows. So for the ones like myself that have been around for a long time, you kind of get lost in the back in the kind of woodwork. But reviews tend to bring you back up. So if you can write a review, I really appreciate it. And lastly, if you want to be a patron, just go to bevanjamesos.com and you can financially support me and what I'm doing each time on the show. Other than that, I'm very excited because in about the countdown begins in about five hours from now, the All Blacks are playing South African rugby. And actually, by the time you've listened to it, you you can see the results. So I'm hoping. But we've actually got three games of rugby back to back. I won't watch all of them, but a high chance I could. <laughs> As I was saying, I love myself some sport. So go with the All Blacks. Come on, the All Blacks. That's all I'm going to say. Come on, the All Blacks. And for all the other teams around the world, good luck. Hopefully, you come second. <laughs> anyway uh, that's this, this week's show done I'll hopefully get an interview sorted out for you for the next one uh, rock on keep being you and yeah hopefully you enjoy the show and as always I'll, I'll finish up I've already said my last saying keep being you so just keep being you keep doing what you do